Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of 1 Kings tonight, chapter 18. We'll be in some pretty familiar ground for some of you. The book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. I'm going to begin reading at verse 41. I'm going to give you my title, and it kind of comes with a little disclaimer. I want to speak tonight from this subject, In the Face of Unanswered Prayer. In the Face of Unanswered Prayer. And when we read our text and you get a snapshot or reminder of the story, you're going to realize that, in fact, it wasn't an unanswered prayer. In, in time, the Lord did answer that prayer. But I want to just talk about that interim between when you're just kind of faced with what you may think is an unanswered prayer. And I believe we've all dwelled in that little space of time. We've all owned a little piece of that real estate at some point. We have, in great faith, depended on the Lord and cast our cares upon Him. But it just seemed like our prayers went unanswered and the heavens were, as one writer said, like brass. And Amen. I want to talk about that little moment in the face of unanswered prayer. The book of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. The Bible says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. That's the proclamation. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I'll talk about this more in just a moment, but I want you to note that Ahab rode and he went to Jezreel. But the Bible says of Elijah that he just girded up his loins and he ran before him. In time, he overran him. Amen. And so when the face of unanswered prayer, let's ask the Lord to touch us tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege to speak your word. What a grand opportunity and a wonderful congregation. I pray, I pray tonight that you will bless our heart our mind and our efforts. I pray for a rest and a refreshing, Lord, that would speak to our heart, our mind, and our spirit and let your word arrest us, find us, 
oh God, and let it encourage, strengthen, and direct us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for your worship tonight. And thank you to our music and, and our praise team. You all just take us right into the presence of the Lord. On, so, on this foggy, dreary evening, you just push us right into the sunshine of the Lord's love and spirit. And we don't take that for granted. After the amazing miracle on Mount Carmel, which we read about earlier in the verses of chapter 18, Elijah bids to Ahab, he says, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now we know in truth, in reality, that there was not a literal sound of abundance of rain, and so this was certainly a, prophet, a prophetic word that Elijah spoke. He said, you need to get up and gird your, your, and go eat and drink and, and, uh, because there is a sound of abundance of rain. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the reference to this, the backstory of this is found in, in the 17th chapter because Elijah in the 17th chapter had announced that it would be three years that the word of the Lord he said, it's not going to rain. And it won't rain again until I speak it. It will be my voice, my lips, it will be my command. And it was only his word that both stopped and started those rains. God honored him and, and heard his prayer. He was referring to the power of his own prayers. As a matter of fact, we can go to the New Testament in the book of James James was a man that wrote about this and he said in chapter five and verse 17, Elias, or that's Elijah of the old, was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. And so this was the reference that, that Elijah was making. It had been a long and a very disappointing day for King Ahab. Because as I mentioned earlier in, the, in this 18th chapter, we read about Elijah on top of Mount Carmel and he faced down 450 prophets of Baal. And he said, let whoever is God be the one that answers by fire. What an incredible story this 18th chapter is. Verse 42 um, we read about in our text tonight that after the, the unfolding events of all the prophets of Baal losing their lives and, and uh, those that lost their lives and about God answering by fire, we know that it was a disappointing time for Ahab, but the Lord spoke through Elijah and he said, go up and eat and drink. And uh, he said, when you go up and eat and drink, he said, but I'm gonna go to the top of Mount Carmel and I'm going to pray. So Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel to pray and it was here that Elijah began to pray and ask the Lord for rain. I know that the, the 18th chapter of this book has been preached on and taught on a whole lot and even the story of, uh, of Elijah on Mount Carmel but it was a three, they were in the middle of a three and a half year drought and Elijah didn't just ask for the altars to be rebuilt and for a sacrifice to be there but he ordered a trench dug around and he, and he asked for, in total, what wound up to be 12 barrels of water to be poured. This was a great sacrifice to pour 12 barrels of water out in the middle of a three and a half year drought. But here is now Elijah, after God had answered his prayer about being the true God, 
He asked God now to reverse this curse, so to speak. One minister said, every day that we live, we have to choose whether we're gonna follow the way of Ahab or follow the way of Elijah. In the middle of everything that was wrong, Ahab just went up to eat and drink. But Elijah said, I'm going to the mountain to pray and I'm gonna ask God to hear my prayer. Amen, we're gonna try to figure this out on our own, in other words, or we're gonna trust the hand of God. I'm gonna say, Lord, my trust, my faith, and my confidence is in you. In the book of Matthew chapter six and verse 33, we read these words, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. I will tell you there's nothing more important than seeking the will of God and the direction of God because God can add all the other things that we need in our life. And I'm not saying that in a demeaning way because it's true. We really do need a lot of things just to get by in life. But if we put our faith in God, God just seems to make up all of those things. Whatever I need, he will make sure that we have that. The Bible is descriptive of Elijah's, maybe in our thinking, it may be a little bit an unorthodox posture of prayer, but the scripture is pretty explicit about this. Maybe as the spirit or the scripture rather talks about his head between his knees, maybe that's almost a fetal position if we could look about look at it in that light. In a, in a true state and in a true sense and disposition of humility, his concern for the people, his love for God, he went to the top of Mount Carmel and began to give himself completely and wholly to the Lord. I find it interesting to note the difference between this prayer and the other prayer. Both of them took place on Mount Carmel, but when he prayed earlier, when he was asking God to consume the sacrifice, he prayed a very simple prayer. As a matter of fact, this prayer only consists of 63 words. Now, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit uh, over the last several weeks since we've been focusing on prayer. I don't believe that Elijah just prayed a simple 63-word prayer because he didn't have time or that's all that he had in him. But I believe the reason it only took 63 words to get the attention of heaven is because Elijah had been making deposits of prayer for a long, long time. I'm gonna tell you today that sometimes we don't have much time to pray a long flowing prayer in the sense, in that moment, in that crisis, we may only have time to say Jesus, but we can freely walk up to the window and say Jesus when you've been walking up there and making deposits of prayer on a daily basis, amen. So when he prayed this simple 63 word prayer, God answered his prayer, amen. God began to answer that prayer and he answered that prayer at one time. And uh, it, it came with great power and it, it came with great demonstration. I mentioned it just a moment ago, digging the trench and all the barrels of water. The Lord didn't just consume the sacrifice, but the Bible talks about the fire licking up all the water that was in that trench. However, now Elijah is in a different position and posture of prayer. He's not standing on that altar. You know, it, it, earlier in, that, in his original prayer, he is uh, almost prodding and poking the enemy. Well, maybe your God is busy Maybe your God is asleep. And, and it, it's, it's not with a sense, I'm not trying to portray him as being arrogant, but he was just confident of his God. 
But that was his posture of prayer before. Now he's in a fetal position of sorts, his head between his knees, and he's praying and asking God. He is the same man, the same level of sincerity, the same closeness with God, the same walk with God, but this prayer did not was not answered all at one time. Amen. The, of course, if you know the end of the story, you know the drought is about to be broken, but there was no sign. There was no there was no evidence that God was answering that prayer. Elijah just spoke in faith. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And then he went to the top of the mountain, cast himself on the ground, and he began to call on the Lord. And then the scripture says that he bids his servant. He said, I want you to go and look toward the sea and go seek for signs of rain. And so the servant goes and he sees nothing. And he comes back and said, there is nothing. But the scripture just says seven times. So seven times Elijah sent his servant to look toward the Mediterranean Sea. Amen. He wanted him to report any indication, any sign that there is a storm coming because I'm telling you, he said in my spirit, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. The prophet didn't give up. He just kept praying one time. Two reports, three reports, four reports, five, six reports. Amen, the prophet didn't give up, but he prayed the seventh time. And the Bible talks about the servant coming back. And he said, I see a cloud. It's just an insignificant cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. Or perhaps it was a cloud that could just be covered if you held your hand up. It didn't take much to cover up. Amen, but it was enough. It was a good example, I think, for you and I to follow the pattern of scripture to both watch and pray. I believe that we ought to pray, but we ought to watch in faith, believing that God is hearing our prayer and God's going to answer our prayer. I want to continue to intercede until the Lord meets the petition of our lips. It was with that seventh trip that came the good report. He said, behold, there just arises this little cloud it was a cloud, not a storm. It was a cloud, not the abundance of rain. It was just a cloud, but it was enough for him to move by faith. It was an indication that something greater is yet to come. I just want to pause here tonight and tell you that sometimes in our lives, individually or even in our family or as a church collectively, when we come together and we just sense the cloud as the size of a man's hand, amen, we shouldn't be discouraged because it's it's not what we thought it would be or we not what we thought it should be. But if I can see the hand of God and if I can feel his presence like we have felt his presence here tonight, I want to keep pressing forward in faith. Amen. It's not time to fold up our blanket. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to cash it all in. Amen. What keeps you pressing on is because I sense the cloud. It may not have water in it to my knowledge. Amen. I may not be able to see what I think is a storm coming but I sense a cloud, an indication that something more was on the way. Elijah immediately sends word to Ahab and he said, you need to get everything together and start your journey to Jezreel. Soon, I know according to scripture, soon the skies indeed were black and the rain began to fall. Amen, the Lord had not only proved that he was the living God, he not only proved that he was the living God against the prophets of Baal, but he was also proving one more time that his hand of approval was on the ministry of a man named Elijah. Amen. Earlier, it was with great 
flamboyance that the Spirit of God began to move and fire came down, but God is still proving that my hand is on Elijah. Elijah had no chariot, as I mentioned a moment ago, to carry him, but he had the power of God. And the scripture says he ran ahead of Ahab and he reached Jezreel before the king. It was a distance, if I'm right, it was a distance of about 17 miles. And so we're not just talking about a jaunt across the yard. We're not just talking about getting from one side of the road to the other, but he ran with all of his might and God helped him to get there ahead of Elijah. And that was quite a feet because at this point Elijah wasn't a young man amen I said that I said that and I got a response like it's just a bunch of young guys here tonight like you don't know what I'm talking about running's a little bit more of a challenge nowadays wouldn't you say amen matter of fact what I call running others might not even assess that to be accurate <laughs> amen but it was another sign. It was just another affirmation to those that were around that God's hand is on this man. Somehow he overtook him. It was God's hand upon his servant. God had chastened the people and God allowed the drought to come. And of course, with the drought came famine. They go hand in hand, but he cared for Elijah and he fed him by the river. You know the story of how God had kept his hand on him. Just a few verses before, here is God sending fire amen from heaven to prove that he was the true and living God but now he is saying but I want to also show you that this is my prophet and he sent the rains to water the land I'm going back to the book of James again because he said it's not going to rain for the space of three and a half years it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain this is not Elijah being arrogant of himself but this is Elijah being confident of the God that he was serving because God was using him as a vessel to prove his power. Amen. I believe there are some significant truths for us to consider here tonight. I believe that Elijah lived in confidence that there would be a rain. At a proper time, even in his state of brokenness, with his head between his knees, his faith did not waver and his confidence in God remained steadfast. I think it's important to note, and I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence tonight, but when Elijah said it's not going to rain, it's also stopped raining in his world. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like Elijah said, you know, it's not going to rain in your world, but all's going to be well in my world. And so whatever happened to people around him was happening in his house. The famine that was slowly coming because of the drought killing the crops and, and affecting all of them around there for three and a half years, those same realities were in his world. Amen. But he said, I am going to trust God and I am going to believe God. And so at that proper time, in that humility, or in the state of, in the spirit of humility, in that state of prayer, the posture of prayer, he said, I'm going to believe God and I'm going to trust God. Amen. He was the man that prayed and said heaven is going to shut up and he had confidence that when I pray again God is going to hear my prayer I just think tonight that we need to have confidence in our own prayer I'm not talking about arrogance in our spirit but we need to lay our hands on people with, with confidence in the God we serve we need to kneel in our own private altar with confidence in the God that we serve I'm not wasting time I'm not batting the air I'm not just speaking words 
words into the atmosphere, but I've got confidence that God is gonna hear me and God is gonna move and God is gonna touch on my behalf, on our behalf, amen. He was a man that prayed fervently. Therefore, he had the faith that the same God is gonna hear and answer him. And so by sending his servant to look toward the sea, that was not a, uh, that was not a random move. He meant if there's gonna be a cloud that would gather after three and a half years, it was certainly gonna gather over a body of water. So you go there because that's where it should come from. It's gonna be coming from there. God's gonna call that water from the sea. He's gonna call it up into the clouds and it's gonna come down. And so it's gonna be toward the sea that we put our eyes. It's gonna be toward the sea that we look for our miracle. I wanna say tonight that I believe it's important where we look for our answers of prayer. I think it's important where we put our faith and our trust. I'm intrigued. I am truly intrigued and encouraged that Elijah refused to be disappointed to the point of despair by the first report and the next report and the next report. As we read this passage, I stand amazed that he would refuse to succumb to the pressure of discouragement. I want to tell you something that I truly know. I don't know a lot, but I'll tell you something that I do know. There's not a person under the sound of my voice that had not been discouraged at some point. It's, it's not wrong to get discouraged. It's dangerous to stay discouraged. But we've all been discouraged and disappointed. And so here he is against the backdrop and the pressure of discouragement. In the face of what we could deem an unanswered prayer, he just continued to pray and he continued to send the servant. Now, I don't know any of this and not trying to add or take away anything from the scripture, but I just have to wonder about the posture, the position, the attitude, the spirit of the servant who kept coming back and he kept being sent back. You know, body language can say a whole lot. Maybe he didn't bow up against him with his words, but I just wonder if there was an indication at all that he was thinking that Elijah may be losing it. You may be just slipping here a little bit something in his body language that portrayed, I don't have the same level of faith that you have, but irrespective of the pressure that may have been there uh, just from the circumstance or the pressure that may have been inflicted upon him by the reactions of his servant, he just stayed focused on the task at hand and he kept saying, go back and look again. Go back and look again. I will tell you tonight what we're doing is we're coming back and we're fixing our eye on the sea and we're saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust you completely. A few Sundays ago, I preached about patient hope. I think tonight that we understand that, that we've, there are times that, that our hope has got to be seasoned and measured with patience. And I think that's what we see on display here in this passage. We see the ability to continue forward in the face of unanswered prayer. I will say tonight that I am speaking to a mature audience. I'm preaching to a mature congregation. I'm preaching to people that have come to church and you've lifted your hands and warm, salty tears have 
been flowed down your cheeks as you magnified and praised and worshiped God in the face of unanswered prayer. You just kept pressing on. I'm telling you tonight that the heroes of faith are not just locked in this book we call the Bible, but they're seated on these pews. Amen. They're listening to us tonight online. Those that are that have been able to rise in the face of assailing winds and just keep marching forward with God. It's what we do in the face of unanswered prayers. I'm not gonna sit at home until everything is just right and then come worship him. I'm not just gonna sit on my couch until I get everything that I want from God and then I'll magnify him. And just because we're in this house tonight and just because our hands are in the air and just because we were clapping and worshiping and praise while ago, it doesn't mean that everything is well. Amen, the Shunammite woman said all is well when she had a dead child at home. And I'm gonna tell you this evening that there is an all is well spirit that's in this house. It doesn't mean everything's alive that ought to be alive. It doesn't mean everything is well that ought to be well. But in my spirit, Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna kneel down. I'm gonna posture myself in prayer. I'm gonna believe you and trust you. I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna do until God answers our prayer. We're gonna keep gathering. We're gonna keep singing. We're gonna keep shouting. We're gonna keep preaching. We're gonna give everything that we have to the cause of the kingdom. Because that's what we do in the face of unanswered prayer. Hallelujah. Something inside of him refused to be defeated. He just kept standing up. I think there's more than a few things we should consider in this passage tonight. And that is the fact that Elijah kept praying and he kept sending. And the servant kept going and he kept coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Elijah kept praying and he kept sending. And something in the spirit of this man stayed right to say, I'll go look again and I'll come report. Into the face of bad news, I'll go look again and I'll come back and report. Into the face of bad news, I'll go again. I'll keep being sent. And so I wonder tonight, amen, while some of us are committed to the power of prayer, I'm not trying to act like there's two groups here tonight but I wonder if, if part of us is committed to the, the power of prayer another part of us will say I'm going to keep going I'm going to keep pressing I'm going to keep looking I'm going to keep believing I'm going to stare a little harder this time I'm going to look a little more intently this time because something is in the heart of the servant that says I hear the sound of the abundance of rain there was this ebb and the flow there was a giving and a receiving And what we see here is the power of faith, even in the absence of an answer. Now, this is not the only record in Scripture of repeated attempts in order to see the complete miracle. Naaman, Naaman had to wash seven times in Jordan's muddy river. There was an unnamed child I mentioned a moment ago the Shunammite woman that said all is well. There was, a, there was a child of the Shunammite. Elijah prayed a prayer over, over this child. And you know what the scripture says? That the child sneezed seven times. In the New Testament, Jesus said, you know, if, 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 if you have something in your heart against your brother, you need to forgive him. Somebody raised their hand. How many times? How many times? Amen, we need to forgive him. Seven times? 
Amen. 70 times seven. Hallelujah. Amen. There's just something about the number seven in scripture. That's God's sign of completion. Amen. I'm thinking there's a powerful lesson to be learned in the sevens of God. Amen. I want to keep pressing until God brings completion. Praise God. Elijah said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I don't see it with my eyes. I don't feel it with my skin. I don't see evidence of it on the ground, but I'm just telling you there's something in my spirit. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I'm thankful for people. I'm thankful for preachers. Amen. Before us. I'm thankful for saints before us. Amen. That just kept walking because they believed that God was going to do something in their heart. And you know what? You and I are in the church tonight. We are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we know what we know because somebody said, I'm going to keep walking in the face of unanswered prayer. Amen. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep praying in the face of unanswered prayer. I'm gonna keep believing in the face of unanswered prayer. We're just gonna keep moving because Elijah said, I hear the sound. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Finally, finally the seventh time, the report of a little cloud like a man's hand and Elijah said, that's all I need. He acted immediately. Amen. God often answers us in, in small ways. He does. And I'm afraid sometimes we don't respond because it's small. It seems too innocent. We want something spectacular to happen. We're not willing to keep walking with something as small as just a little cloud because the crowd before, they got the thunder and the fire and... <laughs> Amen. We want some more dramatic manifestation of God's power. And perhaps in those seasons, we may miss the little showers of blessing. Now, I don't know what happened in, around your home today, but it's been pretty dry around here. And so we got a couple showers today. It wasn't a whole lot, but it sure beat nothing. It was enough to clear the air, enough to settle the dust. And in truth, we have all had those thunder and lightning experiences. And I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't trade those for anything. I've got some things chronicled in my heart and my mind, moments that I just could never be erased of those significant things that God just stepped on the scene. And, and it was just a God thing. And nobody but God could have heard and answered that prayer. But at the same time, we can all look around us and see evidence of just showers of blessings. Just here a little and there a little. But it was enough. And God brought us here. Amen. Moments, those here a little there a little. Those showers of blessings moment. You know what? They dot the landscape of every life in this building. And I thank God. I thank God for every great moment. But I also want to recognize Him for the blessings along the way. Just the small things. We might want to, if we want to pull out our measure and stick the small things that God just does on a daily basis. In earlier in early years, in the early years of the ministry of D.L. Moody, 
his very first evangelistic tour and mission to England. He went there at the invitation of two rather obscure personalities. Oddly enough, when he got to England for this first meeting, one of the two obscure men that even invited him to come died. His first meeting was attended by just a very small, scant handful of people. It was really and truly just a cloud, the size of a man's hand. But he didn't leave there in disgust. He moved forward in faith, believing that God was going to hear and answer their prayer. Amen. And God in time and indeed did. And so sometimes that small and insignificant beginning, it may throw us, it could fool us, and it could cause us to just want to wash our hands and say, I don't think God is going to hear this prayer. Tonight I'm preaching to some that are still huddled together on Mount Carmel like Elijah, our heads between our knees waiting for just God to somehow assure me that he is going to hear and answer our prayer. But maybe what we ought to do is just gird up the loins of our mind and start making our way to Jezreel. We read that when Elijah acted upon the innocent report of this small cloud, the hand of the Lord, that's what the Bible says, the hand of the Lord was upon him. In verse number 46, Isaiah said, They that wait upon the Lord shall run and not be weary. And while it's true that Elijah was able to run the course because he waited, we also understand that we just can't sit around and wait all the time because when we feel that prompting of the Lord, that's when we got to get up and we got to move and seize the moment. God doesn't answer always with the dazzling and tremendous certainties. God doesn't always just shine and show out. Sometimes he comes not with the earthquake, not with the, not with the wind, not with the fire, but we've heard this in the last several services by multiple ministers here in the church that sometimes God just comes through that still, small voice. It's just the inclination of the heart. Sometimes the answer is really maybe in truth not all that encouraging. It's just a small cloud, but God means for us to act on the small cloud. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. The question is whether or not we'll accept the cloud as sign of the rain. The question is whether or not we're willing to count him faithful who has promised. I certainly want to count him faithful who has promised. Sometimes we want too much guaranteed in advance, forgetting the words of Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So fundamental, so rudimentary, that if we're not careful, that can escape us. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, God doesn't spoil us generally by granting too much at one time. He just gives us a little cloud here and a cloud there. Amen. It's the cloud to see whether we'll pack up and head to Jezreel. It's the cloud that tests us as to whether or not we're going to stay on Mount Carmel. There's at least two lessons in this story, and that is this. Don't run before the Lord and take matters into your own hands before you see the cloud. Just be patient. Wait on Him. But when the cloud does arise, it's time then to stand. Gird yourself and prepare yourself. The hand of the Lord, the Bible says when He got up, the hand of the Lord was upon Him. I want the hand of the Lord upon us. 
The Bible says also in Isaiah 40, you shall run and not be weary. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. <clears throat> Two Christian men lived near one another. The first man was a farmer. And since it had not rained in several weeks, the farmer got up one morning and he earnestly sought God for rain. But there was no rain that day. His next door neighbor, he was also up early, but he was praying that it wouldn't rain because he was going to take a friend that day fishing because he wanted to witness to him about the Lord and he wanted to talk to him about his soul. And so there was no rain that day. You see, God heard both men's prayer. <laughs> but he couldn't answer both. God had to do that that would give him the most glory. God had to do that that would be most pressing. And sometimes we look around us in our world and we think, what could be more pressing than what's going on around me right now? But we don't know what's going on in our neighbor's house. We don't know what God is doing somewhere else. And so in the face of unanswered prayers, or what we may think is unanswered prayers, I hope you understand the spirit of what I'm saying. In the face of what we may deem as unanswered prayers, I want God to keep me, find me faithful. I want him to find me still at my post of duty. I don't want him to find me asleep. One writer said this, I asked for strength that I might achieve, but he made me weak that I might obey. I asked for help that I might do great things, but he gave me grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy, but he brought me poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men, but he gave me weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for things that I might enjoy life. He gave me life that I might enjoy things. I received nothing I'd asked for, but he gave me all that I had ever hoped for. Amen. That's the kind of God that we're serving. In the face of what we deem unanswered prayer, God is at work. Amen. God is very much at work. I wonder if we could just magnify him together. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.